the hashtag Walk With Them Podcast. Welcome back to the hashtag Walk With Them Podcast. This is Christian Alberto Ledesma, host of the podcast. A hearty welcome to all you educators, inspirers, influencers, and all you people just trying to make this world a little better. In this episode, I'm going to interview Andy Young, a pre-K teacher at PS244 in Flushing, Queens, also known as the Active Learning Elementary School. Andy was the first person that uh, noticed that I made a mistake on the name of the school back in episode one, and I had to fix it in a mini-episode. A little bit about Andy before we get started with him. Andy is a pre-K teacher, like I said. He started with us coming through an after-school program that was in our building. Every time we walked by that after-school program, kids were doing their homework, they were learning, and more importantly, they were having fun. There was joy, uh, there was laughter. And so when we had this pre-K opening at PS244, um, we got this resume on treasure map paper. And the principal and I are looking at this uh, resume and wondering, do we really want to interview this guy? And the answer was, yes, we do. We want that unique factory in the pre-K teacher, somebody who's going to make the learning fun. And so Andy joined the school as a pre-K teacher, and his creativity shone through immediately from the activities that was going that were happening in his classroom to author studies that he did with Mo Willems to a Jedi Academy that he started running after school. So without further ado, I'm bringing on Andy Young. Hello. Andy. Hey, welcome to the Good. Welcome to the hashtag Walk With Them podcast. Thank you for having me. This is pretty awesome. So this is the first time I'm using the Anchor app to make a phone call and record um, at the same time. So we're only going to get one take of this, Andy, which I know is probably okay with you. Okay. Um, Andy, I know that, first of all, congratulations on the baby. Thank you. Um, we're both kind of on on a short amount of freedom to talk because I had a baby five weeks ago and you had a baby how many days ago? Uh, last Sunday. Okay, so six days. Six days. Holy cow! How's it going? It's um, it's been good. I it's a I mean, I don't know how to describe it. He came out. It was like a magical experience that you can only describe when you're there. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's this person that you love and you didn't know that you had that before. Right. Yeah, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do have some uh, questions for you. As soon as I started this podcast and then we started connecting on, I wanted you to be my first holding off interviewing anybody else until I got Andy on this on this podcast. Because one of the things that I wanted to do was... I wanted to bring on educators who really know their students, who walk with them in their journey. And to me, you're one of those educators who just naturally seems to connect with kids. Um, so my first question for you is, how do you manage to do that? How do you manage to connect with the little ones? Uh, I believe it's easier for me to connect with them because um, these are kids that are a part of the community I grew up in. I, I went to school in the local area, and I see a lot of myself in them as well as their parents mm. that work um, sometimes like seven days a week and they put in like uh, ungodly hours just to make ends meet for their, for their kids and, and, you know, provide for them. 
So I see a lot of myself in them, and that's one of the reasons why I could connect so well. And and with that, can you give us graphics of PS244 in Flushing? For the demographics, uh, it's a highly Asian population, um, and I want to say the socioeconomic status is it's in range from low to mid. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of our children are being raised by their their grandparents because their parents are usually working. Right. And that I remember as an educator at that school being a very unique situation because I'd, I had experience as a teacher in the Bronx and in Harlem before going to PS244. And something that I hadn't experienced um, until then was being in a classroom full of kids that had not experienced school yet, but also that when you called home to talk to the parent, the parent did not quite know who their kid was either because grandparents right. were raising them. So a really unique school, you have a really unique character about you in, in teaching pre-K. Um, and one of the things that I mentioned in the intro was, was your creativity. You have um, from your bulletin board to the activities happening in your classroom to an after-school Jedi Academy. Um, there's this, something super creative and unique about what you're building uh where do you think that comes from that creativity it's got to be a a collection of things that are occurring in the school building itself Uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, what i bring into my classroom stems from the children's interest as well as something that i want to see happen but all of that can only happen if the administrators are willing to allow you to do that and luckily for us uh, we have you know two great administrators of the principal and assistant principal who allow us to kind of have that free range um, uh, creativity and um, just being open about uh, things that we want to see happen at our school. And they're, they're very open-minded about allowing us to do that. So shout out to Bob Graff, principal of PS244 and to Harris, the assistant principal at the active learning elementary yes. school for giving you that freedom. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to talk to you about is um, something that is now kind of a buzzword in education, which is social emotional learning. I think as pre-K teachers and, and kindergarten teachers are well ahead of, ahead of the trends when it comes to that type of learning and that type of um, culture building in the classroom. It's kind of embedded in your DNA. So I want to hear from you how you as a teacher of pre-K, ensure that your students are not just prepared for school, but for life. So when I started teaching pre-K, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, First couple of months, I went with a very academic approach and it totally flopped. And I needed to see what was happening. And and one of the things that goes along with uh, social and emotional learning is, I think things that are developmentally appropriate for Uh, kids at that age, pre-K and kindergarten, and even first, second, third grade. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if they're, if what they're learning is not, you know, uh, of any interest to them, it's not going to connect with them. Um, Again, shout out to Bob Groff and to Harris for allowing um, pre-K and kindergarten to have such uh, creative ranges of what they want to bring into the classroom. Uh, A lot of what we bring is based on their interest. And they do well because they are connecting with what they're learning and they they want to you know develop uh interest in what what we're studying and um it's uh it's what they want to learn 
basically. Mm. So along with that, I know that you have a very unique take on technology use in the classroom. Um, We started the school in 2008, which I believe is when the iPad generation starts. Is that correct? Uh, 2010. That's when when the iPad came out. Okay. So tell me more about that. So my first two years, uh, 2012, 2013, had a fantastic year. Uh, The the kids were uh, amazing. The parents were equally great and involved. 2014 rolled around, and a lot of my kids were uh, struggling with uh, adapting to school, the school environment, the routines, and it was a big struggle for the uh, majority of the school year. So I needed to find out what was going on, what had happened the first two years I was teaching compared to the third year that had been so uh, rough on me as well as my paraprofessional. So when we started to have uh, parent-teacher conferences with the parents, we would ask them the question of, oh, what do you do with your child at home? Uh, or what do you do with your free time when, when you're with your, with your children? And a lot of the answers from kids that were having that difficulty was, oh, we let them play on the iPad. And there was a, uh, you know, it just carried over. It was, um, it was something that was prevalent in all the children that had uh, behavioral issues, social issues, that problem adjusting to school. Um, and it, it just got progressively worse when we figured out that a lot of kids that were having trouble were basically addicted to screen use. So that's interesting because a lot of times you think about technology as being part of the future, right? We want to build a generation that is connected, that knows how to code, that um, uses technology at the workplace. And here you're saying too soon? Too soon. Yeah. Uh, It's uh, developmentally, I I don't think there are other things that are more pressing for children at these ages to be, um, you know, working with. if they're on screens or tablets most of the time, they're not um, they're not being they're not socializing with other children that they you know normally would uh, in any other setting. And also, the iPad creates such a high stimulus that teachers or any other people that are trying to work with uh, children they can't compete. That bar has been set so high when they come to school. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. I I rather play on the iPad because that's what they've been doing for hours and hours on. Uh, every day. And what's fascinating about what you're bringing up is that when you look at some of the studies or you even read the articles about what's happening with the developers in Silicon Valley, they send their kids to Waldorf schools or Montessori schools where there are no iPads. They know. So they, They yeah, they know. So that's really interesting. Um, and, And at the high school level now, as a high school administrator, one of the things that we see and this happens in education is that year to year you have a different group of students and so we're looking at students currently coming to us who were born in 2003-2004 which means that they were born at the at the height of um, the Iraq-Afghanistan war situation Mm -hmm. between the U.S. and and that part of the of the world Um, and so we wonder sometimes if if what's happening around us is affecting us, um, affecting our children and how they're being raised and how they're coming up. So I, 
what you're bringing up is fascinating because you have the iPad, which again is super user friendly. It's meant for entertainment purposes, communication purposes. Um, and 2010, you're saying was the start of it because it's gotten, we've gotten more technology since then. Yes. 2010 was the, I guess the, the birth of the iPad and the kids that were born that year went into pre-K in around 2014. And that's when we started seeing a lot of the trouble. They were the ones that were growing up with the technology. And a lot, I remember growing up myself and it was difficult getting mm -hmm. a computer into the home. It was very expensive, but now it's like mm -hmm. every um, grandparent, parents, they either have uh, tablets or phones that are, you know, that have the same capabilities that their child, you know, are kind of addicted to. Right. Right. I mean, even, even the thought of having a podcast on my phone, to me, is still fascinating. I'm still a little old school. So the the fact that we're recording on this thing is is pretty amazing. But that does not mean you hand it to your six-month-old to keep them right. quiet. Okay. There have been many, I'll remember that. There have been many uh, uh, scenarios where we would have to deal with kids that are basically addicted to screen use. They wouldn't want to come into the school. Um, I had one child that would kind of force himself to throw up so he would go home. This is a four-year-old. So... Devil's advocate, just going to play around with you for yeah. a little bit. Kids addicted to the iPad. Let's teach them on the iPad. Let's use the iPad as a tool. Mm -hmm. What do you say? It depends on what you're doing. So let's teach them reading and math on the iPad. Uh, Four-year-olds, that's they don't need that right now. They need to play. <laughs> okay. They need to socialize. Fine. Good answer. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so Andy, something else that I, I'm interested in, and now this blends into your, your personal life as yes. well. Um, donors choose. You became this donors choose guru while I was at tails. And I remember, I remember donors choose donors choose from when I started teaching in 2002. Mm -hmm. um, I put in a grant for $150 projector back then we didn't have smart boards we, you, you had those projectors that made a lot of noise you put a, a transparent uh, plastic sheet on it that had some print and that's how you uh, projected something in the classroom it was fancy it was super super advanced for 2002 um, and I got that donor's shoes and I remember it being a big deal in my school and then you fast forward to when you join us at Tails. And donors choose is still a big deal. People still haven't figured out quite how to put in for that grant money. Mm -hmm. um, and you do it. And you do it so well that you end up with a bunch of books and other items. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started and hooked on donors. Choose. Okay. So I just want to give a brief uh, intro of the organization. Donorschoose.org yep. is an amazing nonprofit or organization that's dedicated to helping public school teachers crowdfund uh, materials that they see their, that their students need. Um, because of the donor's shoes, I was able to implement a play-based approach to learning for my pre-K classroom. Um, it started off with me trying to get things that I needed for my classroom that were just the basic things, right? Pre-K classroom, children eat, sleep in the classroom, and as a healthy school, we were pushing for you know healthy snacks. A lot of the healthy snacks our children were bringing in were yogurt, fruit, things that needed to be refrigerated. So my first mm -hmm. project requested a refrigerator. It got funded, and I was amazed of the whole process. 
uh, this was after I had been spending um, a lot of my own money uh, to put into my own classroom before I even got to the room and had access to it. Uh, in the summer, I had already racked up over, I want to say $500 of my own money to uh, oh, yeah. put towards my classroom. This is like the first year. Teachers, yeah, teachers spend 500 to to $1,000 a year in their classrooms. A lot of people don't know yeah. that, but it's just the reality of it. Just for basic supplies. Right. So when it came to um, getting a refrigerator, I think that's where I drew the line. It's like, I'm not going to put over, you know, put in however much it costs to um, fund the refrigerator for my classroom. Um, the assistant principal uh, to Harris had put me, um, had suggested that I go through donors choose. So as I was getting um, better at it, when that first project got funded, I started to look at other areas in my classroom that needed uh, a bit of an upgrade. Um, things next, the next project was trying to get sleeping cots for my children and it got funded. And it's like, Whoa, this is really, really awesome. And you know, it, you know, six years later, it's transformed my classroom as well as the school. Uh, we've been getting things for our playground and it's becoming more and more play friendly and, um, you know, uh, developmentally appropriate for our children for recess. And I've seen some of those upgrades online. Uh, when I was there, the playground had um, your typical New York City concrete, um, your blacktop with some uh, maybe some artwork, some sort of paint on it. And then we would roll out some basketball hoops. Yeah. Um, and then you had your basic playground equipment and equipment. And now you have what? Yeah, there's this big box thing we, out there. What is it? We that? have a shed from Community Playthings that have um, a ton of wooden hollow blocks for the children to, to engage in unstructured play where they can use their imagination and uh, kind of communicate with each other if they want to build something that someone has an idea of. And it goes into social, social emotional learning where they're kind of working together and problem solve and, um, you know, and build this amazing thing that uh, some child may have an idea of. That's pretty sweet. So total over the years, how much do you think you've gotten from donor shoes in terms of um, put a monetary sum on, on the donations you've received? Okay. So I, um, calculated the the math on this. Um, this might be a little bit outdated. I've had projects funded um, when I wrote this. Uh, I've had 135 projects funded, and it equates to about uh, $85,000 worth of materials. Holy cow, Andy! Yeah, it's so amazing. Gosh, yeah, I was not expecting that number. I'm thinking now about budget. Um, we're in the middle of our budget season in Minneapolis, uh-huh. and thinking about $85,000 worth of equipment or projects or whatever it is you have, that's a big chunk of money. It is. That's huge. And that's all thanks to DonorsChoose.org. And and what I love about DonorsChoose um, is that, like you said, it's crowdfunded. So yeah. you're, we're talking about families. You're talking about your family and friends mm-hmm. through Twitter, through Facebook, and then strangers too. Yeah. Who donating and sometimes every now and then we get lucky and somebody like Stephen Colbert funds all the projects in South Carolina or something like that. Um, So I think it's a way to connect to the outside world. Folks who aren't necessarily in a public school building, um, it connects them to what's happening in the building. And I think that's really good. Definitely. There are people that want to help and they'll go through donors choose and they'll find projects that connect with them on a, you know, kind of like a personal level and they'll, be on the lookout for teachers 
um, that may have you know projects for books or um, you know healthy snacks, uh, things that are you know play friendly for children that are very young. That's pretty cool. Had gosh, had you blew me away with that number. <laughs> so now speaking of numbers, um, you and I are are having an experience right now. Um, a different different parts of the United States. Um, I just had a baby five, six weeks ago, yeah. like I said earlier. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to take three weeks of paternity leave. Yeah. Um, I was able to use my banked sick days to get paid paternity leave for three weeks, which is awesome. I can't, I can't say enough about having that time with my wife to help her recover right. and time to bond with my baby. Tell me about paternity leave in New York City right now. Well, for for fathers in um, public schools, unfortunately, we have to use just the the days that we are allotted during the school year, which mm-hmm. are the three personal days and seven self treated sick days. And you know, when you become a father, you're not sick. Your your wife is not sick, and it's it's frustrating to to hear that I only have at most uh, 10 days because, you know, if I got sick throughout the, throughout the year, I'm using those days. And if I had a baby or my wife had a baby, uh, I'm not going to be able to use the full 10 days that I'm allotted. I've had over, like you said, you were using your, your bank six days, sick days. Mm -hmm. I have over 40 in my bank and I can't use that because the baby isn't me and I'm not, medically ill to happen to those days. So, man, when my first son was born in 2010, I had to do the same thing that you did. Yeah. Um, and I got lucky because he was born on Labor Day on that Monday. Yeah. And so I took the next four days off. Um, and then the next week I used three of my days. That was seven. And the next week I used two of my days. That made nine. Mm-hmm. The next week I, I used one day. Um, and then I just push through the rest of the year without getting sick that's it's insane it's crazy I, so i go am ahead shocked that no one has uh, brought up the issue and i know the union's fighting for it now but i think it should have been uh, an issue that we've been tackling years ago i mean i wasn't a father then so i didn't know what the situation was or the scenario but now it's like it's hitting close to very close to home right and for such a big union new york city's UFT covers something like 75,000 teachers. Right. You would think that would have come up before. Yeah. Okay. So back to the numbers thing, because this is where, where I got onto this topic. Um, I saw a GoFundMe page go up. Yeah. What's that about? So the, the day my son was born, um, I was overwhelmed and flooded with emotion. Uh, just seeing my son my, and my wife, in the way she was um, that night when they were sleeping, I got to work on my phone. Um, I had, I had prior success on GoFundMe raising for that, that shed that we were referring to in the mm-hmm. fund. And I thought, Hey, why not? Um, maybe uh, I can create a campaign. Um, and the immediate goal would be to raise uh, money for me to go on the, Family Medical Leave Act. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a, a medical leave for um, 
that I can use, but I would be unpaid, but still be covered for health insurance. But, you know, living in New York City, if I go 12 weeks unpaid, I'm going to be homeless. Yep. So uh, I went to Donors Choose, and this will be like a kind of like a supplement uh, income if I were to go on FMLA, um, depending on how much we raised. So the original goal was uh, 10,500, but I realized I'm not going to utilize all 12 weeks. So I brought that number, I cut it in half, uh, and we're at, uh, the goal is $5,500. So anyway, as I was saying, the goal would be to have this GoFundMe as a supplementary income for when I go on unpaid leave. But the mm-hmm. other goal would be to kind of send a message telling others, you know, let them to be aware of uh, uh, what uh, the situation is for teachers or fathers that are that are teachers and hopefully start uh, the discussion and conversation. Because, you know, as a teacher, we're always telling our parents that, yo, you need to you need to be there for your children. You need to be more involved in their education and more importantly, in their life. You need to know what's going on. We say this. But when we have children, that's thrown out the window because, you know, I got to go back to work. Not even a couple of, uh, couple of days after my son was born, I went right back to work. Right. Right. That's just, that's what we have to do because of the way this is set up. So you have this GoFundMe page. It's set up for five fifty five hundred $5,500. Yes. Um, through the magic of lots of donors, you've raised 1273 so far. Yeah which is pretty amazing. Um, what is the website? The website is uh, gofundme.com forward slash fight for family leave. And I've awesome. been sharing it with um, on Facebook and Twitter. And you know, a lot of my friends have been donating. Um, coworkers have been donating. And I think the most, um, the most touching one are uh, families of parents of former students I've had. I've had two donate. Uh, generous amount and they wrote like a heartfelt message and it's you know when I read it it's like it, it just makes my day that's but, amazing yeah holy cow and so I'm gonna last the last episode meaning episode one the actual full episode um, there were 24 listeners which you know is where we start when we start a podcast there's no it was one of them <laughs> yeah you were one of them yeah. um, so this will get probably a couple of dozen listeners. I implore you to go to gofundme.com forward slash fight for family leave. Um, check out a cute picture of Andy's baby. Uh, <laughs> donate some money towards the cause. Uh, and remember that this goes not just as supplemental income for Andy while he takes his leave and takes care of his family, but it's also about the movement. It's about a movement to create real family leave for teachers we're starting with teachers um but really has to expand to all all types of workers um specifically city workers right yeah union unionized city workers right gosh and i know from what you are experiencing now because experiencing now because i've experienced it three times now right um the the longer you get to stay with your family the better it is for everybody um for your they need all the help they can get right now yeah and for you bonding with your child so such an important time right now yeah for you andy so i commend you for this effort i 
always inspired by you uh, in the work that you do. Um, tell us about your Instagram account, Twitter account. How can people follow you to learn more? So on Twitter, uh, my main account is Green Oak one one two two. My Instagram is Kinder Psych. It's K I N D E R S I C H T. Um, that's more of a for my families to kind of see what's going on, and it's also a way to connect with you know people that are involved in what I'm doing and want to see what's going on in my classroom. Right. And that's, that's what I love seeing when I'm on social media, seeing the work that you continue to do with the kids at the active learning elementary school in Flushing Queens. Um, it's always inspiring to hear about your donors choose work. I'm pretty sure in, in my head, you are going to be the CEO of donors choose org someday. Uh, donors choose. If you're listening, this is the guy. Um, and Andy, thank you for your time. I know that your time is precious right now. I, I hear my wife pacing upstairs with a baby that probably is having trouble going to sleep. So <laughs> I know I need to go. All right. Thank you so much for having me as your first guest question. Thank you. And thank you. And say hello to Annie and baby Liam for me. I will. Thank you. Have a good night, Andy. Good night. So that's it. That's my first interview on hashtag walk with them podcast. I'm so grateful for Andy, Annie, and baby Liam for his time. I know that uh, it's really tough when you have a baby. As I'm recording this with a baby in arms right now. Um, so to get Andy onto the podcast was really special. I can see him coming back to dive deeper into some of the topics that we talked about. But I'm glad that we had this conversation and got it started. Please go ahead and leave comments on the Anchor app go to the iTunes podcast page, leave a rating there, and go to Twitter. Connect with me on Twitter, at Mr. C. Ledesma. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more about so that we can get things rolling. I also included links in the show notes so that you can see the work that Andy is doing um, and also help him out on his GoFundMe paternity leave movement. I hope you all have an awesome week.